She is a lady of the night, you could say. The, the, the club that she operates is called the Veil, mm-hmm. right? You, you part the veil and go into the mysteries of... <laughs> 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 or, you know, it's... And then... <laughs> Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. This is episode four? four? Yeah, this should four. be four. Four of our Final be- Fantasy sixteen analysis. All right, so today we're going to get up through the Drake's Head mission. Yeah. Um, we have both played to the next big Mother Crystal mission, yeah, the Drake's that. Breath, but um, I have not had time to go back through all of that stuff again. So I play it, like, and then I go back and through, and I watch all the cutscenes a second time, and I take notes during it. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance to do that yet, so we're going to hold off on going any further than Drake's head today. Uh, but next time we'll get through Drake's breath. Okay, so we had had a vote. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, our patrons vote on which games we cover mm. next on the podcast. Yeah. So after Final Fantasy 16, they had already voted on Tactics Ogre. So that was the game that won. Yeah. However, I'm feeling like we need to take a break from stuff that fits kind of in the same vein of what we've been doing for a long time. Yeah. I like to break it up a little bit. We did Bioshock and uh, like Silent Hill 2 a while back. Those were <clears> nice effect, divergences yeah. from sort of the typical JRPG storyline yeah, that we yeah. tend to cover on this. So I'd like to do that again after now that we've done Near Automata, Final Fantasy 16 on the backs of each other okay. and do something that that is thematically different so that we're not talking about Jung and the shadow and stuff like that every single time, right? But that applies forever. <laughs> I mean, like, it does. It means there's some universal appeal there, yeah. but it'd be interesting to dive into some thematically different territory. I'd like okay. to do that to make sure things don't stay stale. So we're going to hold on, not saying that Tactics Ogre, Tactics Ogre is necessarily going to be that, but it is going to be fantasy, like high fantasy, medieval wartime storyline, much as this one is. So we're going to do something in between. So that's going to be held off for the following podcast, Tactics Ogre. And in the meantime, we're doing a vote right now. So if you want to uh, sign up on our Patreon or subscribe store, or I have just opened up memberships on YouTube as an option. So I'm still kind of learning how this works. Um, but it's an option if it's out there. So w- one of those three places, if you want to go there at a certain tier, you'll be able to vote on this. This particular okay. vote is going to have Spec Ops The Line, which I really, really want to play. I have heard so many good things about the story of that game, and it's okay. really different territory from what we usually cover. Like a, a, a military shooter is like That's not my different. type of game generally, yeah, yeah. but I'm very intrigued by what I've heard about its story. So I'd love okay. to do that. Um, we'll also put the Outer Wilds on there, mm-hmm. which is a great, uh, maybe something more in the lines of a Fallout-type RPG. Um, mm. Planescape Torment. And then the last one we're doing is The Last of Us, uh, which has a wildly successful show on HBO right now. So huh. um, maybe give me a chance to jump into that and see some of the differences. But those are the choices. So go check those out, vote on them if you wish to do so. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that's it as far as house cleaning stuff. Now we can jump into cool. the game. So 
We left off where he had confronted his shadow. Clive had confronted his shadow. Yes. And accepted the truth. He pressed it. He pressed R3 and R <laughs> L3 and R3 at the same time. He accepted the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so good of him. I wish it were that easy. I know, man. I wish it were Just that press, easy. Press Maybe R3 it is. And L3. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Um, there was one line. I got a sentence too, yeah. Uh, from the voice that keeps talking yeah, to him yeah. that I had kind of, we didn't bring up last time. At last you accept the truth. You were born to wield limitless power. Embrace yeah. it. Embrace it. So this voice has That's continued crazy. to kind of call out to him. Um, we're going to get an, uh, some more of that, a lot more of that here at the end of this section. Yeah. Uh, but also the, the the term mythos that had been used twice mythos. before. Yeah, we'd seen that. Yeah, yeah that's going to come up again. So, um, but we'll hold off on that for a minute. Yeah. And so Clive comes out with Jill out of the fallen ruins. I awakened as a dominant of fire right here in this castle. And I've been running from it ever since. Mm. But now I know for a certainty who I really am. The second icon of fire who killed my brother and burned this castle to the ground was me. Um, how can a second icon of fire even exist? And why was I chosen as its dominant? Those are the new sort of mysteries yeah, yeah. Uh, that we're going to be pursuing now in the story. And I have to say that I really, that was one thing, watching trailers and things leading up to the game's release that I was hoping that they would do, mm. that they did do. They did not turn this into a revenge plot. Yes. For very long. Yeah, that was really, it's really yeah. good. Yeah. It's really nice. Instead, he goes along, he thinks he's going to kill somebody. He thinks that the only way for him to move forward is to kill somebody. Yes. And if any of you feel that way, <laughs> just know that the work needs to be done within yourself. Yes. And that's what this game kind of shows, and that's yes. really cool. Um, and then he also comes down to this point here. He says, no more chasing shadows. The hooded man isn't here. Yep. And that's, I don't know, I think that's really good. So he was chasing shadows the whole time. He finally realized it. Now he's in charge of his own life instead of letting some random hooded dude rule his fate by mm -hmm. him just, like, uh, trying to go out and kill him. Um, instead, he's kind of in charge of his own fate now. Yep. Um, you know, who was this hooded man who brought us here and what does he Ooh. want? Uh, I think he also says something <sighs> to Jill like... Um, <clears throat> You're different, or or you've changed. You you've not changed, or something like that. Yes, you haven't you, changed you were, a bit. You were always one to, you were never one to like run from the truth, or something like this. That's something like that. Yeah. To which she's kind of conflicted about. Yes. That. She's like, no, I've changed a lot. You just don't know yet. Right. She says, um, I have changed, but I don't want to be that person anymore. Yeah. The things she did were unforgivable. So we she have thought, some. Right? Yeah, we have some. Uh, a little bit of foreshadowing here into yeah. what we'll be talking about mostly next week with what happened in Jill's past. But. And, and maybe a bit of, um, what would you call it, where you refer to yourself in the third person? Yes. So Clive has just come to admit and realize that I am Ifrit. Yes. We are one. Yet when we turn to Jill, she's still got this separation. Like From she's accepted she that she's Shiva. She knows that, mm -hmm. obviously. But she feels very, it's almost like out of body, yeah. similar to with Clive earlier. She hasn't quite come around to the point where it's like, oh, that was me the whole time. Yeah. Um, because she doesn't like what she had to do in order to save yeah. the little orphans, that's, right? That's a good point. Using yeah. the third person there is a way of distancing herself yeah. now from what she was before or something. 
And it's especially striking after seeing how Clive has finally admitted that I'm the one. I did it. Yeah. And then to see her immediately distance herself and say, no, she did that stuff. That wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, right. Is pretty striking. And it's like, ooh, you have some work to do, don't yeah. you? She has some shadow work to do. Some shadow work to do. <laughs> we shall see. Um, and then we did mention last week at the end of the scene, uh, <laughs> you know, Joshua is there watching from afar yeah, yep. and mentioned something like he's here already, like the Ooh, hour is later yeah. than I thought. The hour grows later the than you think. <laughs> yes. Um, and he's in a hurry to do something. That's kind of yeah. weird, right? It's almost like I, I'm not sure. Um, we, we talked about this. It's mm-hmm. not clear whether time travel is a thing or whether the, the hooded person yeah. that Clive saw earlier was himself the way yes. it's kind of shown here yes. or whether that was Joshua that Anyways, gets even more confusing next week <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm still iffy on it but this would be a strike against time travel if he's yeah. like oh shoot oh I'm running out of time I gotta go hurry it's like hey I don't think he can control time yeah right <laughs> so obviously he's still subjected to time at least in some way but he's in a hurry to do something yet yeah. instead he's kind of following us around we think yes. we're following him Right, yes. the hunter has become the hunted. We think we're following him. He's following us, just watching. But as soon as something happens, he's like, "Oh crap, I have to be somewhere." Mm-hmm. And we don't really know what that is. So that's yeah. that's an intriguing mystery. I like yeah. that a lot. And adding to this confusion over hooded men, he's wearing the same clothing yeah. as the hooded man that Clive is chasing here. But that hooded man was himself. Oh, but I know. So I'm confused. There's I'm another hooded man yes. next time <laughs> that is not. I, I'm almost 100% certain it's not Joshua, but it's also uh, not Clive because Clive has already oh, accepted his shadow. So oh, you're right. it's some other hooded guy. There's a third, there's a tri, the Trinity of hooded. This men. is, this is kingdom hearts <laughs> stuff. Well, I was here. actually thinking that <laughs> this is, this is, I was like, you got Ansem and then Xehanort. And then who was the other one? Z- um, Zemnis, they've got like or, an organization yeah. 13 in this yeah, world yeah, where a bunch of hooded dudes. <laughs> And bunch of nobodies. Anyways, uh, I have no idea what's going on with yeah, that, but I know that Joshua is not the guy who Clive has been chasing. Although he was there, though. But he was there after the fact. Yeah, so Joshua came after. So he didn't lead them there. He came after and went, oh, no, yeah. you're here already. Oh, I can't believe this. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, man. There's some other person that we don't know yet, and yeah. I, we'll just have to get there before we can figure out what's going on with that. But All right. That's the end of that scene. Then we go to Dazbog Castle. <laughs> now this reminds me. A lot of me, names. No, this reminds me of Final Fantasy Tactics. Yes. With Dice Darg. Yeah, Dice Darg and, and, like, and uh, Gallbag. Gallbag, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have Dazbog Castle. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's pissed. pissed. He's pissed. He's pissed, pissed because they killed Benedicta. Yeah, I was... I had a, a lot of different thoughts on this. Yeah. Uh, he liked her a lot more than she liked him. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. And it's kind of funny, but like some people do get that way, you know, where it's like one-sided or, or the girl is like literally a prostitute. Like they kind of showed that in this earlier. Uh, there was that one soldier who like, or maybe it's in this section. No, I think it was before that, right? There's, yeah, yeah, it's in this section that we're going to be talking about today. There's a soldier who kidnapped a girl from a brothel and is like, she's mine, you know? And it's yeah. like, dude, she's a she's a prostitute, man. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Um, but, and that's kind of how I feel like Cupka is for Benedicta. It's like, she yeah. Benedicta is playing all these Everybody. world leaders. Mm-hmm. And, Kup, and Kupka's the one who's like, no, no, she's the one. I'm the one. She loves She me. was my one her, and only. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you were one of many. Yeah, so there's this coffer that is brought to him. 
I'm not sure what's inside of it. Uh, um, I, I'm trying to think because it's a something box. Something that resembles her. I don't know if it's supposed to be ashes. I don't know if it's supposed uh. to be clothing and like maybe that little, uh, was that little emblem thing that Sid like laid on her when she died. Oh yeah. The... I don't know if it's just effects or if it's like ashes and or. I thought or, or it was like... something like that. Like that, <laughs> that emblem yeah. was part of it. Um, but also, oh gosh, what happens yes, when. Yes, Mix the... just put up a, a gif of. Seven. I don't know if you've seen that movie. No. What's in the box? What's, What's in, the, in box? the box? I won't. I, I won't say anything about it. If for people who haven't seen the movie, you should see. It. <laughs> but that's that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something like this. But uh, then I'm thinking, why would Sid do this at all? Send why him. would Sid yeah. send Benedicta's effects or remains or whatever to Kupka? Like, why would he yeah. do that? That doesn't make any sense. And, and then I thought about you it. Provoke he he did it. There's no way he did it. No, this somebody is somebody else, else yeah. who is seeking to manipulate the situation, and because because Sid left oh, the body well, behind, that, that complicates things. Huh. Sid left her body behind. He yes. didn't. He just walked away. Yeah. Somebody else came Found around and her. went, "Hmm, how can I use this?" And then ah. sent it from Sid to Kupka, <laughs> the the box to piss him off and like get him to move. Well, I'm I, pretty sure. That's what happened here. I can think of Annabella, and that's probably about it. Could be her. Could be whoever <laughs> Organization Thirteen Hooded Man <laughs> is. I don't know, <laughs> but it yeah. wasn't Sid. I'm calling that it was not Sid who actually sent that because sure. that just make. I mean, that's just stupid. That makes no sense yeah. to do that, right? So somebody did that in Sid's name, and so now uh, Kupka is gonna find him and like crush him yeah so he basically sending people out to try to find out where the location of their hideout is yep right um so as jill and clive come back out to east pool from yeah the phoenix gate all the people there are being slaughtered by yeah. imperial soldiers and the city got burned eastbrook yeah got e burned everyone's east. dead and um even like Lady Hannah, who was uh, Murdoch's wife, right. everybody's dead. Um, so you fight all those guards and, and you finish them off, but like not before you, you couldn't really save anybody. And, and Gav ends up showing up at the end of the scene. Oh, crap, we were too late. If only they had come to us sooner, none of this would have happened because they were kind of mm. living in their own place instead of coming to the hideout, right? Oh, okay. Um, and there's a, there's a couple of other places that are this way too. I know that there are... Uh, people even in Martha's Rest and yeah, yeah. areas like that that just they they decide not to go to Sid's hideout. You they don't want, want all stay. your people in one place. Yeah, it's probably a good idea <laughs> because, because of what of, is about to happen. Yeah, right. Yeah, but anyway, um, I, I took some dialogue here from Clive. My mother always did despise Bearer. So these soldiers were sent by Annabella um, to kill these bearers, right? Who yeah, had been hiding seems, them. Yeah. The way father embraced them when other nations spat on them as slaves. The way an accident of birth gave them power that others lacked. And then Jill says, but why kill everyone? They meant no harm. They just wanted to be free. And I liked this line yeah. from Clive. This world judges that a crime punishable by death, which is why we're going to change it. Right. So we're getting a shift in Clive's, I think a very natural shift in Clive's yeah. motivations from revenge, revenge, revenge. Uh, I only wanted ever to protect my brother it was my only purpose in life. Yeah, and yeah. Now I have no purpose in life because they took that away from me, but yep. it's actually me who did it. And uh, I have to accept that. And now it's like, oh, I never even noticed 
all this time, the suffering that was happening all around me and how completely messed up this world is. Right. And the whole system we talked about last time. Mm -hmm. That this world judges wanting to be free, free a crime punishable by death. And not, it's not, um, it's everyone in the town that got killed, right? Yes, everybody. And that means not just the bearers, like every everybody yeah, else everyone. too. Mm. Um, and so the bearers want to be free. That's understandable. They have a, a, but also just the regular citizen people want to be free. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, anyways, yep, that's, not that, allowed. that is a crime punishable by death, wanting to be free. So Clive has decided he's going to join Sid and he's going to help bearers. And that's how he's going to try to go about atoning for what he did at Phoenix Gate 13 years ago. Right. He's like, I am the dominant of Ifrit. I can't change this fact. And I might as well do something with this power I have to try to make up for this world that has come about as a result of my actions. Because I killed Joshua, because my father is dead, because the duchy mm. was broken up. Now we have this world where the empire is here and all the bearers are treated even worse. And like everything's going the way it's going and it's just war constantly. I should be using my powers as a dominant that I awakened as that day to help Sid do something for the people that are suffering the most. Yeah. Which is nice. So now, yep. you know, it didn't take too long. Uh, some people have brought up that this is a little bit reminiscent of, say, Final Fantasy IV with, um, you know, with Cecil sort of having his moment of confronting his shadow, yeah. the darkness inside of himself as a dark mm -hmm. knight, and becoming a paladin pretty early in the game. I and see. then the rest of the game, you know, it's it's a similar sort of uh, arc or path for the character, that confrontation pretty early on, and then shifting to uh, better motivations than just simply revenge or something like that. Um, so I like mm. that. I like the way that that played out um, quite a lot. Yeah, that was good. And then some cliche spy joker sees us. Yes, and uh, this sends guy word to Kupka. He starts following us. Right? Yeah, he's he's some spy for of Kupka's who's gonna follow us to the hideout, discover where it's at, yep. tell that, and you know, bad things will be re result of that. Um, okay, so you return to Sid's hideaway. After that, we have a scene with him in the solar. Um, I liked this line. There will be time enough for quiet contemplation when I'm dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he's of so people busy. Are coming, and he's yeah. he's always accepting new people all the yeah. time, and it's really busy around the place, right? Um, so Clive basically tells yeah. him he's accepted the fact that he's a dominant, and he wants to help, and all this. For thirteen years, killing was all I knew. So obsessed with death that I never stopped to consider the lives of those around me. Lives mm -hmm. that I see now are scarcely worth living. Be they mm -hmm. bearers or beggars, most but march blindly to their end, never realizing yep. that they too deserve a choice. And I dare not turn a blind eye to their suffering any longer. Um, Very nice. Jill then takes his hand and says, that's the answer we found. Or he says, that's the answer we found. And she says, it's the only one we need. So they're ready yeah. to, you know, fight for good. And uh, Sid says, I'll be expecting you both to pull your weight with a sprinkle of fire and ice. This plan of mine might just work. Mm. And so we cut away from this. I've got the line too. Forgiveness and salvation can only begin with acceptance. Yes. It is a path we all must walk. Yes. Right. First you accept it. Then you can attain forgiveness and salvation afterwards. Right. Um, so Clive and Jill seem, seem to want, want to atone for the entire world's suffering. Right. Yes. They're going to take everything on their back. Um, now here is 
a small example, I guess, of sort of a general trend I've been noticing in my playthrough up to this point. Mm. Um, that I'm not like the fondest of. They cut away right in the middle of this scene where Sid is about to reveal the truth about the mother crystals. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And we go away to Oriflam with yeah. the Emperor and the Council of the Elders, which we'll talk about in a second. But then we just yeah. come right back to that to the scene, same scene after Sid would have explained this and the result of, of Clive being like, are you kidding me? That can't be true. And I feel like hmm. this game, especially after the events of what we're going to get up to the end of today, um, it does a lot of skipping sometimes through yeah. the parts that I'm most interested to oh, see. see something there. Hmm. And then it will come back and show other things where it's just like, okay, like I'm not like loving this particular section. Or, yeah. and, and this has actually been something that has become, it's, it's fun to watch the, the tides of opinion on a game shifting as yeah, the game is yeah. coming out, right? Like we, we were a little bit critical uh, in our little video that we put out before the game launched about oh, the, right. and, and people were like, oh, people were mad that we weren't calling it a masterpiece, right? And then like oh, slowly see, yeah. we've seen a la that start to shift into a lot of people being of the opinion. There's a lot of really kind of busy side quests. The pacing's right, really off. Yeah. Um, a lot more of these types of sentiments have been coming out. And I'm starting to see what some of those people are talking about, though we still have a long way to go. Yeah. But I, I just felt this cut was weird. Like, it, it builds up to this big, almost triumphant musical uh, crescendo. I think it's using the Final Fantasy theme even there. Yeah. Uh, as, as, as Sid is about to explain. Well, I this, think like, it's, we're going to sneak into the Imperial Capital. Yeah. Like, oh, sweet. And then they show the Imperial Capital. Yeah, and I guess that's probably why they felt right, justified in the I cut. I bet you the game directors were like, wait. No one knows what the Imperial Capital is. Yes. Before we continue this scene, let's put in another scene of the Imperial Capital. <laughs> then we'll come right back to it. Probably I could right. see them doing that. And I could, even, I could even see maybe a movie doing something like that too, yeah. maybe. Um, but it's weird because you <laughs> with this in, within this game, you go through lots of periods of gameplay, and then you have several cutscenes in a row. Yeah. In fact, I'm thinking something like Triangle Strategy. Yes. Where you'll play, 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 and then it's just, you got like five cutscenes to watch, and they're all from different places. Yes. You know? I feel like that's what happens. Each time a big moment happens, it's like, okay, let's get everyone caught up now on the other goings-on of the world, and then, okay, now you're back onto the main line. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I don't know that it works well in as well in this as it does in, in Triangle Strategy. Not least because those are skippable, <laughs> but but I also the, I, just I the type the of cut game. I are skippable just, here too, but I don't remember oh, okay. how to do it. But I see, I see. Yeah, but anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it, they were thinking maybe. Oh no! What if they don't know what the imperial capital is? Let's yeah. go show a scene with the empire. <laughs> yes, but, but do it. But first, they have a do map before. literally in front of them. Yeah, they can point Here's to the empire, the empire yeah. right here on the map, and you can show the big. Uh, Mother Crystal Mountain thing behind yeah. the little castle as like the icon for that uh, city or flam or whatever. You don't have to do this weird cut breakaway for like a long time and then come back to the exact same moment we left off on, except you skipped all of the cool revelation of why Sid knows that the Mother Crystals are... Anyway. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't love it, but I do like the scene in Orflam itself. No, I do too, yeah. I thought that this was really quite good. Uh... So the Council of Elders are all sitting there deliberating about all the problems 
that the blight is causing. Yeah, the blight, and the limited oh, resources, and then the borders. Farmers' harvests suck, and how are we yeah. going to feed our people? They're going to starve and all this. Yeah. And the emperor is basically calling them out on their bad leadership. Yeah. So he says, if it's fertile land the empire requires, We'd but need we need but there. look south. Yeah. And they're like, uh... <coughs> <coughs> Are you talking about the crystalline dominion? So we haven't talked about this too much yet. There's oh, a, the a little nation, a little neutral nation in, in between the, the two continents. Yeah, it's called the crystalline dominion. It's a very small area. You could think of it like Switzerland in World War II. <laughs> sure. Yes, actually, <laughs> yeah. good, good analogy. Um, where it's just a little place, or even like. Um, Something like Dalmasca in Final Fantasy XII, uh, yes. where you had Arcadia yeah. and Ros I think it was Rosaria, the two oh, yeah. nations that were sort of pushing through there, and Arcadia had sort of annexed it, right? And then you have, yeah, Dalmasca is like a separate little... Yeah, they were their own kingdom, and they were the small place in between that was just sandwiched between the two world powers, and they just suffered yeah. the fate of that. That's basically what's happening here. Hmm. So it's, it's a place with its own mother crystal, and a place that's meant to be neutral, and a, a break between these two rivals... Yeah. And a place where even I would assume they would come to have negotiations ah. on neutral ground or something like, like, like that. Like Dubai in the Middle East. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's where all, yeah. the, all the rich guys from all the countries that are at war, they all go party together in Dubai. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a place kind of like that. But it's right in the middle of the most fertile land that there is. And the yeah. blight is now pushing these nations towards the center. Um, like we talked about last time. Hunger this Games, is, Battle this Royale. This is a Battle yeah, Royale, yeah, right? Yeah, straight up. So um, the emperor is now saying, we, uh, the emperor is now saying, we can no longer afford to just allow this nation to be this neutral place in the middle. Like yeah. our, our survival depends on taking that fertile land right. down there, south sort of central area. So, uh, he says, uh, oh, but they, they bring up in response to him saying this, we're bound by a mutual accord. Theirs is a neutral state whose borders we are sworn to respect. And he says, gentlemen, did we swear to see our people starve? Right. This is the catch-22 yes. of people in leadership. Yes. Where it's like, how could anybody start a war and kill people? And it's like, look... People do that in particular when resources are scarce yes. and their own people are the ones who are going to die now. Yep. So which one? Are you going to have your own people die or are you going to kill the people of the next country over? And take right? like, stuff. Well, if your people are going to die anyways, may as well use them to try to annex something else to give them a better life maybe in the future. That's uh, now, it doesn't always their way of work. looking at it. It usually doesn't work, right? Uh, I mean, there's also... There's also such a thing as foreign policy and asking for aid and offering <laughs> something to that other country so that you may share in, in the blessings right. and resources. Reciprocity <laughs> and what would you call it? Like like trade, like synergy, like you can both help each other out, but yeah. no, no, no. they got to dominate. Yeah, exactly. It usually goes the other way because they're afraid yeah. that they won't help us or that they'll hold this over us. We'll look weak in comparison to them. They'll know that right. they have an advantage over us and now That's they'll right. try to do something to us. It'll justify it whatever way they... What I love can. here, though, is that the king wants a war of conquest, but his council of elders are all... Most of... For the most part, they're opposed. Yes. They're like, we're not going to wage war. What are you doing? Like, yeah. that's ridiculous. And it's so funny because often you'll see the trope of the good king surrounded by, like, the evil, like, counselors that are, like, yep. all telling him, like, oh, we should go to Whispering war. And then the ear. good king is, like, the one who's like, we're not going to war. <laughs> um, but in this, we sort of see something like the opposite. Now, I doubt these elders are, like, all now, that good now people. it's because this is an empire. Empires ah, are bad. Ah, there Kingdoms you go. Are good. <laughs> <laughs> so the king is the good guy, That's the, the emperor. Rule. 
That's yes. the rule of JRPGs. Empires yes. are bad, kingdoms are good. That's right. That is exactly right. <laughs> Did we swear to see our people starve? The gates of Oriflam buckle at the flood of those who come seeking refuge. So people are already coming there for refuge from escaping the blighted lands. So they're already receiving a ton of people, but they can't yep. even feed the people inside of the city, much less outside of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, if there is not grain enough to feed those within our walls, how, pray tell, will we feed those without? But instead of setting your mind yep. to riddles such as these, you lock horns with an enemy from across the sea, sending our soldiers to, to the slaughter by the thousands. He's talking about their kind of ongoing war with Walud. Yeah. The empire bleeds and you sit here prattling like crones in a tea house and you fancy yourselves leaders of men. Sambrek is not without her citizens. We are but their servants and their land is being wrested away. It is our duty to claim new lands for them. Sounds so good when you put it like that. It's so obvious <laughs> and yeah, like what other choice is there? <laughs> Sounds um, so, you know... Noble when you put it like that. <laughs> he just really loves his people <laughs> a lot. Way too much. So as the council begins thinking about all the details of this, right? So it's one thing to say, yeah, we need to do this because our people are going to starve and it's our job to go not let them starve. Right. Now I'm, now I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk out, fellas. You figure out the details. Yes, exactly. He <laughs> and they're care. like, how much is this going to cost? And like, wait a minute, what about We're, you gotta raise an perception army and, and blah, blah, blah. Yes. And like all these problems that and he's the like, emperor those are your problems. gets to not deal with yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. He gets to make the call and not deal with the consequences of it and just walk away and let them do it. That's a typical I head. I love the hypocrisy of that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> That's like, um, what would you call it? The head the head body relationship where yeah. you decide what you want to eat, right? Yeah. And it's like, body, you, I got a cheeseburger right here. <laughs> I'm going to eat the cheeseburger. You figure out how to allocate that to make me actually like still function after yeah. eating like not healthy food. You're going to have to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, he, he basically called, what did he say there? And you call yourselves leaders of men, right? Yet- he makes a call, the gravity of which is just immense, and then and he's not and a doesn't leader. think about it oh, whatsoever, totally. oh, and I he's not a leader that. of men at all. I didn't catch that. That's good. That's good. What a hypocrite. I, it completely. And so I, I, I loved that hypocrisy of, mm. of the way he went about making that decision. And this is Annabella's husband, right? Current, I think so. I think okay. she's the empress now. Okay. So, But I don't know if they technically <gasps> live together, really, because she's over in... Rosaria, and Still, he's over yeah. here in Sambrek, so right. maybe they just hmm. meet up once in a while for some kind of confluence, and then they, <laughs> <about> right. <laughs> they <laughs> depart back to their lands again. I, I have no idea how that works, but huh. um, he now as he's walking out, he's asking about his son. Uh, where is my son? And it's like, oh, he's still at this, at the head of this river or whatever, doing battle with Walud. And whatever, I can yeah. call him to the capital if you want. You know, we, we can bring him in here immediately. He says, that won't be necessary. Tell him to see to his wounds. So obviously he suffered some kind of yeah. wound in the battle against uh, Odin there that we saw earlier. Yep. Bahamut's strength will be needed again soon. So hmm. uh, he's, he's basically only concerned about his son getting better so that he could use Bahamut. Yes, Not of because course. he actually cares about his son. <laughs> yeah, right. Otherwise he'd call his son back from the enemy lines. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so now we cut back to Sid Solar again after he's told them about the Mother Crystals and that they're the reason why the land yep. is dying. Yeah. We've all seen it firsthand. Empty wastes, 
where once were green meadows, land drained so dry of its ether that not even the rats remained. But where was it all going? I spent years searching for an answer until I saw it standing right in front of me. There in the self-same crystals we look to for their so-called blessings. All, okay, all right, listen. Take this crystal, grabs one. How does it allow us to conjure magics? Answer, by drawing ambient ether from the air. Mm. And where do these crystals come from? The, the small crystals, where do those come from? Gav busts in. That's easy. They're mined from the mother crystals. Mm. They're one and the same, although admittedly, this here fits more easily in the pocket. But the mother crystals are massive, says Jill. Some as large as mountains. Sid, so you see the problem. Imagine just how much ether can be drawn by something that size. As to where it's all going, mind, well, I can't know everything, can I? Hmm. So he's worked out, and we talked about this a little bit last week. If you look at the ATL under Ramu, the, the dominant who is uh, bind, bound with that icon, Mm. Generally, it says, uh, is able to sort of work out. Or there's a sort of um, knowledge or gnosis, we'll call it. Gnosis. That uh, you receive as being bonded with that icon, uh, yeah. where you get to see the world as it really is. So mm. while everybody else is of the assumption that the mother crystals were innate to the world, that that they are rich in ether, that they give that ether to the world. They're a net benefit. Right. Yeah, all that. The, their blessing is ether, which allows us to use magic and allows our civilization yeah. to function. It's actually the opposite, where the mother crystals are invasive and they're taking the ether mm. from the world and that's why the blight is occurring in the first place. They're being sucked of their ether. And so, you know, they have these giant freaking crystals where they're just the ether around them is being pulled 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 into it and so that's why we have the blighted lands coming from outside in yeah. towards where the crystals are because the crystals are sucking that ether out like a vacuum and ether is something of the life force of the planet yeah you, you could maybe think of it like the life stream in mm. final fantasy 7 or something like that um and so i i like this Two, not only uh, for the world building of this particular game, but within the series too, because in the series the crystals are always being drained or used right. incorrectly by some fiend or something like sure, that, yeah. or broken or shattered, and so the world goes out of balance. Its elements go out of balance, and the world is at you know in, in threat because the crystals are uh, being depleted or destroyed. Yeah. Here. They've flipped that in a way that I think is kind of cool, where the crystals are the problem. Yeah, the crystals yeah. are the ones destroying the earth this time, not the destruction of the crystals being what's causing the destruction of the right. world. Right. Yeah, so that's very interesting. I kind of liked that idea as a way of taking that sort of classic Final Fantasy element, turning it on its head a little bit as far as expectations go. Um, so uh, we can't very well see it free our people because i think she says wait a minute or clive says wait a minute so so we're after mother crystals now i thought we were here to help the bearers and right. and dominance and stuff like I thought that was the goal and so he says we can't very well set our people free if they're all lying dead in a blighted ditch so if you have to bring the old world crashing down in order to build a new one what say you are you with me and at this point they're kind of like well we trust you, so we'll yeah. come along with you for this. But I don't know if they're necessarily at this point convinced that yeah, yeah. the crystals are bad. 
they just want to help people. <laughs> and now, now they're, they're roped into something that it's like, uh, was not necessarily what they were signing up for, but <laughs> it's like, it's like fight club. <laughs> you, you think you're joining a fight club and instead you're like destroying the world. And <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's like, Oh, we want to, you know, bring in these bearers. We want to help people find a place where they can, you know, be free and choose their, choose how they want to live. And now we're becoming essentially eco-terrorists in the con- in yeah, the context of yeah. this world. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is a little crazy, but we trust you, so, you know, we'll, we'll come along with you. We'll figure it out, I guess. Um, hmm. You go talk to Otto a little later, and he talks about how the Empire is now marching south towards another war. In this case, what we just saw in that scene, they're going there. This would have been a good place to cut, actually, to that. Oh, yeah. The Empire is marching south. They're going to try to go annex the Crystalline Dominion. Oh, there you go. And yeah, then yeah. you cut over to them and you yeah. show, you know, why they're doing that. But <clears throat> they're going to start another war with the Crystalline Dominion, all uh, as the great Grieger wills it. Bloodthirsty little miss, that one. But that's God's for you, it? <laughs> I liked that. that now, who? Line. Say that one again? That's Otto. Otto is the, like... I remember him, Yeah. But. So he, he's talking about how they're marching south to another yeah, war. Yeah, yeah. All as the great Grieger wills it. Bloodthirsty little miss, that one. Right. But yeah. that's God's for you, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Uh, it's a good line. Uh, so I wrote in my note, um, drinking together was only temporary, right? But to show they're serious this time, they both stab a crystal oh, with you're right. their dagger. Should have mentioned that, right? yes. And that's as good as a contract, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it's interesting to see the imagery of swords sticking out of the crystal, yeah. right? That's their goal. That's their aim. They aim I to feel like destroy the crystal, crystals, or at least the mother crystal, to stab it right in the heart. Had they not made the phoenix and the Ifrit the like logo of Final Fantasy sixteen, yeah, it that been. The, the swords and the crystal could oh, have been a good one. Been good, that yeah. could have been a pretty cool well, symbol. Well, if for the they game. do an FF six ending where it shows each character in the cast on like a parade, and then <laughs> they one can show icon that for that's, yeah, <laughs> that resembles them. Yeah, they, they missed opportunity if they don't do that. Yep. The, the credits in this way. Um, okay, so Otto also tells you about this woman called the Dame, the who Dame. will help you get into the capital Sambrek. It's like you, yeah. you're not going to be able to get in there, but she she's one of ours. She'll help you, right? So go find her. So that's kind of the next uh, objective, to yeah. go to Northreach, the gate into the capital city, or into probably more just like the lands, because there's a couple villages and things that lead up to the yeah, actual you capital gotta sneak. itself. But there's a there's a point where you need to get past these guards. There's really no other way around them yeah. except to um, be very friendly with the dam. It's almost like it's the border of Sambrek itself. And this is sure. Northreach Gate, which gets you into the country, I guess, mm, of Sambrek, yeah. the empire. Um, okay, so he meets up. Clive meets up with the dame at the gates. She gets him through the checkpoint by essentially pretending like he's her branded bodyguard or something like that it's so interesting that anybody could just take any branded and be like this one's mine and like get them through smuggle them through this way it it sounds a little too easy yes um especially because branded are branded so that people know to whom they belong right but all branded have the same exact but they all have the same brand (laughs) and it's like oh they all belong to the emperor the empire okay fine but that's not very useful it's useful if you're just trying to ostracize them from polite society right okay fine right uh but it's not useful in terms of like who do you belong to and where yes. are you going and who yes. are you, who you're with and how do you how do people keep track of oh this bearer's mine you stole my bearer yes. like you can't prove any of that the the purpose of a brand would be to prove ownership so i feel like i i agree with you entirely um that 
they they should have gone farther with the branding in order to address this problem. Like I feel like yeah. the Empire would have done that. So that even if it's in a magical way, that I can identify who you actually yeah, belong to. You need a way to do that. Because somehow. then you yeah, like you're saying, anybody, any smuggler could just like steal somebody's branded. Yeah. And move them around and, and things like that. Like if they had a way of identifying no, this this person does not belong to you. And it, it would have been mm. actually a pretty interesting scene <laughs> or if she suggested, the dame suggested, I'm going to draw further branding on oh, you sure. to identify you as mine. What she gives you is some sort of emblem. An emblem. Oh, and so everybody she has an does emblem this. then. That's right. the brand. The That's emblem is the brand. Essentially it, but okay. it, w it, like, it would be cooler if it was a more permanent and 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 he would but, be very against that but like, that's no, what i'm I not mean. tattooing myself for this yes totally right another versus taking, freaking tattoo versus taking a little emblem or coin or something yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like no we have to magically infuse another tattoo on you so that right. they will identify you as mine well and he, he's trying to get away i just escaped from this yeah that yeah. would be a harder choice to make and one he'd ultimately have to do that would be more of a sacrifice that would feel impactful and heavy and I agree I agree because yeah. anybody if you're smuggling bearers anybody could just give them the, the yeah emblem, you could right? just give them it the needs emblem. to be it the fact that it's tattooed on is like that shows yeah it's a more permanent commitment. thing yeah, identification. yeah. Uh, like a like a freaking uh, barcode on the face <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. that, that yeah. they could magically scan and be mm. like yep you are who you say you are right? yeah so Anyway, um, I feel like they could have gone a little further with that. But anyway, she, she gets him in. It does feel a little too easy. You're right. But, but the way they kind of play this off is not necessarily bad. No, because it, it's like they, they probably all, should have checked him more. But, yes. But the dame, nobody They all want to be in her good favor. Yes, that's kind of That's funny. like ultimately what it is, is she's got a lot of soft power here locally. Yeah. Because... They all go to her establishment. They for all her girls, right? And, her, and so, like, yeah. not being in her favor would be bad for them. And so they kind of just do what she says, right. even over maybe what they're ordered to do. That's a good. That's a good explanation. Yeah. Um, but just as a uh, general, like the way the institution, the the empire would have dealt with this a long time ago. Yeah. Like to figure out, who, especially at the border, to to whom. <laughs> like oh, especially at, at the at border, the it's like the most important thing. Like, well, so the dame could take like fifty bears and be like, "Hey, these are all my bears," and like, <laughs> just walk. I mean, through. If for it's it's her, I guess. If once again, but anybody could maybe just do something like that. Yeah, or, right. Maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, it's just not a very secure way of uh, managing your borders. But no. Anyway, um, she so she talks about why she's helping them. Long ago, Sid did me a kindness when no one else would. Mm. I've never forgotten that. Without it, I would not be where I am today. And so I make it a point to do the same whenever possible. However, she's not just doing this just because she feels like she owes Sid. Yeah. She also expects a favor from Clive in return. So for helping him get into the city, she asks that he find one of her girls, a yep. girl named Tatian who has been gone and has not returned for several days. So you kind of have this short quest where you're going around trying to find out what happened to this girl. Um, you know, some of the other girls from the Vale, which is the brothel where she worked, um, they talk about this guy, Yannick. He was a soldier who was very possessive of her, jealous of her, didn't want her with anybody else. Yeah. Was genuinely falling for her, right? And uh, that he would come a lot and, you know, be just trying to, like, take all of her time, basically. And he would try to fight anybody else who was yeah. with her, right? Yeah, so, and they say that he, or, you, that, you know... <coughs> He was a soldier, so you go to talk to some other soldiers 
and try to find, hey, there's this guy uh, who had some sort of um, a, a wound on his eye That's or right. something like that. Do you know who that might be talking yeah. about? And they're like, F off. Like, why are we talking to you? And but he's but got the we emblem. Show the emblem. It's yeah. like, oh, but you're, you're here for the dame. So okay, like, we'll okay, tell you. Okay. So yeah. apparently this guy, Yannick, went to Moore, another village recently, uh, trying to for some dealings with a merchant there or something like that. And that you should probably go there if you want to find him, because if you find him, yeah. he might have information about her. So you go and you tell the dame this. I think her name is Isabel, right? Or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and so, you know, she's like, well, you know, I'm not going to... You can go there, but you got to be careful. Like, this village in particular, I mean, the empire is yeah. renowned for its hatred of bearers. This village in particular, like, is really bad to them. Really hates bearers. So... You should probably just not talk to anybody and just go straight to my guy Bertrand there. (laughs) Um, Because, like, they will report you, like, immediately to the constables. And so, like, you just really should not talk to anybody. Hmm. But there are two of what I think are some of the best side quests in the game so far that happen there in the Moor area. The first one, I don't know if you did this, is the guy who says, Hey, my son, there's a monster attacking him like yeah. hurry hurry you idiot yep. like yep. run over there and help yeah. and you go over there and it's just some wolf but the kid's not under attack you kill the wolf and the kid's pissed at you yeah. why'd you kill my wolf that's not how they're supposed to go it's supposed <laughs> to kill you <laughs> and he's like that's what right. what are you talking about they played a trick on him yeah yeah well like essentially what these people were doing is they were training these wolves to kill bearers yeah to kill bearers. for sport for yep. fun yep. and they would buy bearers from people just and to just go him, yeah. feed it to this freaking wolf yeah that's crazy and and the kid that's is dark. like so upset that it, this didn't go that way and so clive goes back and essentially like threatens them which is the opposite of what she was telling him to do like this is not <laughs> you don't want to make a scene as a bearer there right yeah but he you know can't help himself tries to help uh and then finds out what they're doing and basically tries to threaten them to stop um so that was one that was pretty cool but the other one was this little girl who was Her looking pet. for like a pet. Oh, man. She doesn't use yeah, that word. I thought it was actually really clever the way they went about this because they don't yeah. use the word pet or dog or cat or anything like that. It's just like, my Chloe yeah. has disappeared. Well, yep. what does she look like? Oh, she has this beautiful white hair. And yeah. you just think You're she means that. Yeah. And then you go and you find yeah. a branded who has essentially petrified. And then this girl comes up, oh, petrified already. I didn't even make you use that much magic. Oh, man, now dad's going to have to give me another one and all this. And, and then Clive realizes, oh, my gosh, like this little girl yeah, yeah. was using this little bearer girl who was probably bought because she was no longer useful because sure. she was about to be petrified right. and just gave her to her daughter, gave this girl to her daughter yeah. to use in this way and play with until she petrified. And this had been done many times. Right. This was not the first petrified right. little girl yeah. that this girl had forced into that. That was probably, I mean, of all the ones I've done so far, like the hardest hitting that sort of side quest. Where it was yeah. like, okay, that's that's messed and up. And that's just how she was raised. Like yeah. this is this is what she thinks is normal. Yeah. And, and Clive Crazy. explains, like, no, this girl was a part of your family. Yeah. yeah. And you you're gonna remember her as that now. And he, he starts to kind of get through to her a little bit. Yeah. Um and it was like really, you know, like, no, this is not good what you've done here, right? So I loved that little side quest. Um, those are the types of side quests I like the best in games like this that yeah. tell little stories like this, that go yeah, a long yeah. way towards building the world. This does a yeah, lot like that too. to give you a sense for what life for bearers is like in more 
and things like that. And it, it's it's a story that's super memorable. It's like when that happens, just like whoa, like it's like a yeah. gut punch where it's almost yeah. more impactful than a lot of the main story stuff that you're getting. Right, it right, just right. hits you, but it's short. That's the kind of side quest I like in I RPGs. Like that too, yeah, yeah. And so I really, really liked both of these, but in particular this one. Um, so then you get to Bertrand. Yep. He tells you, Yannick had come and had argued with a merchant a couple days ago about some comb. And so you go and talk to the merchant. Well, he was trying to tell me it was an antique, but right. it's not. I can tell it's he not. He was trying I, to sell it. I right? wouldn't, yeah. Well, yeah. He, what he wanted to do was trade it. Ah, right. For a newer, a, sort yeah. of modern, nicer one. Right. And he was trying to make the trade on the, on the grounds. Well, this is an antique. This is worth yeah. a lot. But I just want to trade it for something new that's expensive that I can't afford. Right. And the guy was like, no, it's not an antique. I stood his ground. And I think the comb was going to be part of a wedding proposal? Yes. Something like that? So Yannick had supposed thing. that this comb that, uh, that Tatien had was a gift from another man trying to win her affections. Oh, of course. And he got <clears throat> jealous. And so he stole it from her and took it here yeah, to exchange right. it for one of that he could use as a wedding proposal. Mm -hmm. That was his idea. She came after him being like, don't take my comb. That was a gift from the dame, yeah. not from another guy. So he had assumed yep. that this whole thing, and then the two of them end up being they killed up by these wolves in yeah. the area, right? Um, or at least... Uh, Clive says the blood is dried or that it's old or something like that. And usually wolves wouldn't just kill like that. Yeah, and, like not, and eat. not eat or so I'm not, not I, do. I'm not sure if it was the wolves or if it, but I think it was. But they didn't hmm. eat them for some reason. Okay, yeah, that's actually <laughs> um, a point. And then another soldier comes up and explains, oh, he assumed that this was some other guy who was after her and this caused. And, and I, he says something like, um, uh, if only he had bothered to ask. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, now this struck me because this is mm -hmm. something that's been kind of just on my mind generally of late. Um, how often people make assumptions. Oh, yeah. And how Not quickly those assumptions think. become reality in your mind. This is yes. how it is. And you make decisions yeah. based on this assumption you made that you're so certain yeah, is yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. This is human nature in a lot of ways. Oh, for sure. Um, I can't count the number of times where, say... Um, I don't know, I've got some kind of problem or I'm assuming someone has a problem with me. Oh, right. And yeah, I'm yeah. in the shower or like getting ready for the day and I'm, I'm in my mind yeah, having yeah. this drawn out conversation or argument yeah. with this person who I assume <laughs> is upset or that it's going to be really bad. Uh, and I'm sitting there like thinking of all the ways I'm getting like legitimately angry about it. I can and relate. then you actually talk to the person and they never felt any of those yeah, things. Yeah. And it's super cool. And there's no problem <laughs> at all. <laughs> Say like nine times out of 10. That's how it goes. Yes. Yeah. A and it's crazy. People, people are a lot better than you want to give them credit for. I know. Sometimes. And I not, know. Not you, you, yeah, everyone. People in general, yeah. yeah. We want to assume the worst in people. Yes. And, and, and that's usually, I would think, more of a, a protective measure. You're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to like sure. guard yourself yeah, yeah. against the worst possible scenario. Yeah. But it, it goes to such a length so often to where you're just... Every, every choice that you're making is based off of assumptions. If you yeah. let yourself go farther and farther and farther into that kind of thinking. 
And it's really hard to break out of that and be like, okay, I'm call yourself on it. I'm making, I don't know that's what they meant when they said that. Yeah. Or I don't know that that's what they're thinking when they did that thing. Um, I just had a, a call with, with an old buddy I hadn't talked to in a long time. And uh, I had been making assumptions about things that I had heard he had said or oh, had done. Yeah. He had done a lot of the same for me. And we had never bothered to talk to each other about it in probably two years. Wow. And this had come to a head and he was upset and I was upset. And like we're talking to each other and it, all it took was bothering to ask. <laughs> And by the end it's of this conversation, it's such a low, like matchbox level yes. obstacle to overcome. It's just communicate with people, dude. Yeah, it's yeah. just talk. And you yeah. find out that's not at all what happened. They find out, no, that's not at all what happened. Holy crap. There's this context <laughs> that now that I yeah. know that, oh my goodness, that changes everything. Right. But, but that's my whole point. It only takes that much context that we did not have the imagination I know. to assume yeah, yeah. in all of these assumptions we've made to go, oh, terrible conclusion. It's like you could not have ever conceived that there could be a legitimate reason yes. for whatever you're assuming. And then the yeah. reason comes and it's like, oh my gosh, that's so easy. It's so obvious. <laughs> yeah, it's always so freaking obvious. <laughs> that's why assumptions are so bad. And this even yeah. goes into... Uh, <laughs> even like in, in, into politics or, or, or conspiracy theories and things like that. There are a lot of assumptions oh, being of made yeah, based yeah. on what well, we know this. And there's no other reason other than this, that that could possibly be why they're doing the, it. Um, right. What, what is it? The, uh, the, the Occam's razor, right? Yes. The, well, or, or like what, um, this is Sherlock Holmes. He says, well, yes. once all possible, um, options have been exhausted, then whatever remains, no matter how improbable, has to be, has to be correct. But th yes. that's only assuming that you actually accessed have. all of the possibilities to yes. begin with. Yes. So if you only exhausted your mind's possibilities and then said, well, it's got to be this one, it's like, well, maybe think for a sec and take a step back and, and think that maybe you don't have all of every single possibility in yes. your mind right now. Yes. Now, or just think it through a little bit more, maybe. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. And, and, but that, we, yeah. we kind of only exist in this, like I've said in the past, like a little prism of our own brain, right. and which we is can't so help limited. It. Right. Yeah. But like that is reality to yes. us. What exists inside of here is the only thing I can say yes. is reality. And yes. so the only thing, what the limit of what I am able to assume and imagine mm -hmm. is the reason, <laughs> right. Or even sometimes our emotions get in the way of that. Oh, possibly yes, we could often. have. Yes. greater imagination but what we're trapped but in you'd rather hate those people <laughs> yeah in problems or, or even like psychological yeah. barriers that kind of block us or, or have shaped our thinking in a oh they could they must be thinking this way about me because i am a terrible person i really feel this way about myself but that's all subconscious or yes i want to justify my ideology or mode of belief or my hatred of these people yeah so yes i'm gonna find the assumption in this all happens yeah, yeah. like so quick in our heads, totally, right? Totally. But my whole point is assumptions are bad. Not, but they, <laughs> Do not assume you know things because yeah, yeah. you almost certainly almost never really know what's going on with someone else. Yeah. Almost never. This is the like one of the big takeaways I took from uh, from Kant from a critique of pure reason. Yeah, is that he like he agrees with you. Assumptions are not good. Yes, 
but humans can't we don't know everything. We yes. don't know anything. Yes, we don't know anything. <laughs> we, can't, we can't act without making some assumptions, assumptions yeah. even at like the base level, right? And I think that's where this whole problem comes from. Yes. It's like you're assuming the wrong... Why, why do you have to assume negatively? Maybe if you're going to assume anyways, because you have to make some assumptions to, yes. to then build on for uh, like some first principles that you just assume are true and then build on top of those. Um, just make them be like maybe a little less pessimistic. Yes. <laughs> maybe less cynical, maybe yes. a little bit more uh, loving and and um, open to your fellow people yes. as also conscious agents who are trying to do their best as well. Yes. If operating with that assumption instead of whatever else you're thinking, yes. right? Which may or may not yeah, be Yeah, and this goes the other way too. I mean, you don't go out of the cave when the tiger approaches, assuming, oh, this cool kitty is coming to, like, have fun and play. You assume <laughs> right? that, yeah, it's a so tiger. you have to have some level of, yeah. uh, you know, assumption that, that keeps you safe from harm. Yeah. But the, it's so much easier to go the other way. Yeah. And to actually make assumptions. It's, it's better to le ha make assumptions, maybe, but be open to the fact that there could be context you don't know. And if somebody out there can provide that then i'll listen to it kind of right, at least be but, open yes but the idea is that how often do you encounter somebody and it's a negative experience it's yes. not very common for me most people yeah. i talk to i'm yeah. like they're nice cool interesting good people even if i thought they were dumb and wrong and bad in my mind yes once you meet them it's like oh they're you know they're they're a person wow i don't know why i didn't assume that <laughs> to begin with but it turns out they are yes. a person just like me right. um but Nine out of ten of your interactions with other people are good. Yes. Then why would you go into any interaction yes. assuming the other it's person is bad? bad. Yeah. It, it, the, just by probabil probability and statistics, you should assume that go into everything assuming the other person's good. Yeah. Now, I know if it's two in the morning and somebody's like, "Hey, come over here." Like, <laughs> I get it. The, the, but the nine probability out of ten changes right? in nine, that in that circumstance. <laughs> nine out of ten. <laughs> we're we're making a broader point here. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So anyway, I, that, that struck me, even though it's kind of a, a small little quest, uh, just because that's been something that's been so true in my life recently. Uh, don't make assumptions. Just bother to ask. Just, just bother, bother to ask, to ask Take first a few minutes. before you yeah. make the assumption and get all angry and pissed off. right? Because yep. it's going to lead to bad places much more often than to good. Whereas bothering to ask, which is so easy, no. can just resolve something without those consequences. Goodness, I feel like we just saved a thousand people's relationships. I hope so. <laughs> I freaking <laughs> hope so. <laughs> Communication. Communication ask is simple questions. super key. Like, even if it's just like, are you mad at me? Yeah. I've, I Even even when I am mad at somebody, <laughs> if they ask me, are you mad at me? It immediately makes me less mad at them. Yes. And like, no. And then I realize it's my problem, yes. you know? Like, this, right. happen, this happened with my wife every now and then. Like, no, I'm not mad at you. It's something yep. else. And then I'll yep. immediately soften up. But yep. just like, and then vice versa, you know? If, if you just ask that simple question, mm -hmm. right? Like people won't admit yes i'm so mad at you and i don't like you right now like it may be once in a while but for the most part they will likely soften up unless it was like a super big, big well deal. because you're you're big taking interest did. in the fact that you know obviously something's not right and right. so y y the fact that you're interested the fact that you care i think is is the key to softening a person up well, okay they want to hear me they right. so they're giving me a chance to explain so anyway <clears throat> so another thing I wanted to mention here <coughs> about the crest that we are given 
uh, by the dame. It's a star and moon crest. Yes. And everybody mentions this, right? Now, she is a lady of the night, you could say. The the, the club that she operates is called the Veil, mm-hmm. right? You, you part the veil and go into the mysteries of... <laughs> 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 or, you know, it's... And then... <laughs> It's 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 good stuff. Yes. Then you have um, yeah. You, <laughs> sorry, I just I should have said initiated into yeah, the mysteries. There you go. There okay. You go. Um, then you've got the the symbolism, which is the the moon and the and the the star, right? So it's like this nighttime symbolism. Yeah. But beyond just the fact that this is traditional feminine symbolism. Yeah. The star and the moon, right? Right. Which star? Metia, That's my question. Metia, is this Metia and, and yeah. Luna or whatever? Now, I don't know that this um, means all that much, but it's just at least to say that people acknowledge this. People know that there is a little red star there. Like, people mm. are aware of the whole situation. And, um, you know, the dame has taken it to be a personal symbol for her, you know, mm. that like, you know, the moon and, and the star represents something uh, deeply personal to her. Yeah. And that also Jill is the one who will pray to Metia and is always looking up at the moon. And, and same thing with Benedicta. We kind of saw that earlier. A lot of these female characters seem to be associated very closely with the moon. Mm-hmm. Whereas Clive and Joshua, of course, being the fire people and whatnot, they are a little more, I feel like, associated with the sun. Yeah. One thing I did notice um, from watching our podcast, though, you know that moment when Clive is being very open with Jill and he's mm-hmm. explaining, oh, I'm just so mad I killed people. And he, he actually like sheds a tear or two. He's like really, you know... Um, being um, intimately personal with her, he reaches up to, to the, the moon, moon, yeah, and then he he opens his hand and then he makes like a fire kind oh, of thing happen right. in his hand, mm-hmm. almost like the idea that I had mentioned previously of stealing fire is a gift from the gods or it was stolen from mm. the sun, right? There's almost that like ooh, grab the sun and then boom, wow, I've got it, like the fire, right? He does it to the moon though. And mm. I wonder if, um, obviously, the moon's going to play a huge role in this in this uh, story. But I almost wonder if it's the, instead of the Promethean myth of stealing the power of the sun, I feel like maybe that this story is somewhere more in the realm of stealing power from the moon yeah. or from the star next or to the from moon. Itself, um, yeah. And that that's, that's the direction it's going. And the moon, the moon's an important, important symbol, at least in part, because the moon doesn't, the moon doesn't create its own light. Yeah. All it can do is reflect the light from somewhere else, right? right? So right. in that sense, like there's positive symbolism there, but there's also some negative symbolism there, right? Yeah. Um, and so the power being associated with the moon specifically, it, it's, it'll tell us something a little bit about um, kind of the metaphysics of what's happening here. Yeah, for sure. All right. So then Sid, you know, he goes and tells Isabel what happened and that quest ends. Oh, and then with, with um, those guards who wanted to fight us because we're <laughs> like, funny. hey, where's where's the other guard? And they're like, yeah, I ain't going to tell you unless you beat me in a fight. What? Wait, well, what? I, so I okay. think, I so think we these just are two, like separate, two separate oh. groups of guards. So there's the two guards that say, wait a minute, bearer, like this is, there's a place for real soldiers like get out of here. Right. And they're like, well, wait, he's got that symbol from, uh, yeah, yeah. from the veil. Uh, he must be the bodyguard of, of the dame. Uh, why would she pick him? Right. We had petitioned t- to protect yes, her yes. earlier, and she said no to us. Right. There's no way you could be better than the the, the elite right. emperor's finest whatever. Uh-huh. Show me what you've got. Right. Then there's the other group, I think, of different soldiers uh-huh. who tell you about Yannick. And, and oh yeah, so it's yeah, like I remember two that separate too. 
dudes. Yeah, it's hilarious though because they're just complete jokes. Like yes. you don't know what you're getting into. You just don't. Like it's so. I almost feel bad for them it, once it, again. Just yeah. like with um, not Wyvern. Um, who was what was his name? Oh, the um, previous t- guy. Tiamat. Tiamat. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like you just, I, you just don't realize he who just you're doesn't fighting. know who he's talking yeah. to, and it's like he'll figure it out. But when it's too late, the hard way. Yeah. 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 That was a funny scene though. Um, but anyways, what she tells you at the end of this quest line is that. Um, that Sam Breck is essentially emptying its gates of its army to go south uh, to fight this right. war. Yeah, yeah. This war, like they're basically sending the full freaking force out there, hmm. and that uh, and you know this may leave your crystal open to be taken. But right. I got confused because right after she says that, hmm. what did she say? Ba 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 ba. Um, Sid, you meet up with Sid and Jill again. And he says that the capital's crawling with soldiers. And it's like, we're going to have to go through the back door. And then I'm like, because uh, then, then they just skip ahead again. Oh, like, yeah. Yes, they just yes, skip yeah. into the town. I'm like, how did you get in there? What do you mean right. back door? Yeah. Well, the back door was in was the brothel, right? But how did they get in there? I don't know. <laughs> because it's inside the city itself. That's a good so they, so they, they just, he mentions, this almost would have been like, I feel like this would have been a dungeon or something in an older Final Fantasy game where they got to go through some tunnel, some secret tunnel yeah. that leads into the city or something. Yes. And, like, there's a whole dungeon there that you got to, like, work. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, the city's crawling with soldiers. We can't get in there. We have to go through the back door, whatever that means, and then we're just inside. We don't, we don't see how that happened. So I'm just left here going, like, but, but how? Like, mm. the city's, like you said, it, like, you can't get in because it's crawling with soldiers. So how did you do it? But they just skip ahead into this brothel, this other brothel, and then he's telling you about how uh, this battle can't be won with words. We, we talked about this a little bit last time, so I'm going to skip through this a yeah. little bit. Believe me, I've tried, That's but right, nothing yeah. ever gets through. Uh, the world is simply yeah. not ready to listen, so the hell with talking. If they won't give us a say, we'll decide our fates another way. Because uh, I think Jill asks him something like, if... And this was something I was wondering about last time, too. Mm-hmm. If the Emperor and the King of Walud and the Dalmekian Republic people know that the crystals are draining the world of its ether and causing this problem, right. why would they continue to do this? She asks that question to Sid directly. Hmm. And he says, you're, you're, you're um, assuming these people care about anyone other than themselves. Like... It's they, a resource. They're going to yes, exploit it. They're just going to exploit it. If they don't, it. someone else will. So they're yes. going to do it. Yeah. So and when the world dies, then okay. It seems to me that, that Sid is implying here that they do know. That yeah. the world leaders do know that the, well, the, the ether is being drained by the crystals. It was because Jill asks Sid the question. Actually, you know what? This is different than I thought now that I'm looking at it. Jill says to Sid, if you're right that it's the mother crystals, and immediately Sid goes, if? Yeah, right. You wound me. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm right, okay? Yeah. And like everyone just has to like accept that Sid is so completely sure of his plan. Right? Yeah. But yeah, so it seems that he's implying that not only do they know, but he has tried talking to them before about it. Yeah. So they, they, he has at mm, least had course. meetings with these people yeah. and said, this is what's really happening, and no right. one wanted to listen or they knew, but they just were going to do it anyways. Right. So there's nothing you can do at this point. Like, we have to, we have to destroy these mother crystals. There's no other way. We have to do something that crazy yeah, yeah. to uh, actually bring about any change in this world. Um, so they're going to go to this place where they're going to infiltrate. And then Clive says, 
there's not nearly enough men here. <laughs> so I'm like, what is it? Is, is the place drained of all of its soldiers marching south? <laughs> so there's no one there. So we have this very opportune moment to be able yeah. to get in. Is the city crawling with soldiers and we have to go through some back door that I have no idea how it works oh, or why right. there's such a back door to get in issue. here? Or is it, it that there's nobody here? I yeah. like they're contradicting each other. I like w- apparently, yes, she was right. Most of the soldiers are gone. So why couldn't you just left it at that? Oh, we got lucky. All the soldiers are out. We can just walk right in to the city itself. There's not enough guards. Like, it'll be easy. To mm. It just seemed weird, the whole, like, they're crawling with soldiers. We've got to go through some back door and provide this, like, problem that is just magically solved by a fade to black. <laughs> and they're just and, uh, in there already. Travel. Yeah. That's it's like, dude, funny. come on. Anyway. Uh, so... They're um, going to start infiltrating. Do you have something? I just have to say that when we first see the castle, when we first see Drake's head, basically, um, the city, <clears throat> looking at the castle in the distance, I really feel the words uh, dwelling in the shadow of the Mother Crystal. Yes. It's this image yes, here, by the way. Yes, totally. Um, you have the yeah, you have the, the castle. Crystal. The castle in front of the crystal. Yeah. In front of the crystal. And the crystal is just dwarfing the castle. Yeah. Um, and but it looks like that the town is trying to be the crystal. It looks like it's trying to be like the crystal. It's the the town is built up in such a way as to resemble the crystal in some yeah. way, right? Uh, built up I- after its image, but it's much smaller, pales in comparison. It looks like it suits, or sorry, it looks like it sits within the mother crystal. Actually, mm-hmm. you know, almost like iconographically, but. Um, it almost seems like the crystals are actually in charge, not the city. Right. So that the city is just a smaller structure within the greater structure of the crystal. Right. right? So the crystals are the outside framework that the city is just built within, you know. Yeah. And it makes it seem like the crystals are actually in charge. The crystals are above them, and that's going to represent a power that is even beyond the emperor himself, yeah. I think. We're going to find that out. Right. Um, then... <clears throat> <laughs> Sid is all about they're going to go in right they're like hey we can yep. just walk in there's no star um, but what's your like what's the plan right yep. and I think Clive asks him specifically yep. like oh really that's your plan and um, Sid says life is too short for perfect, perfect plans, plans yep. and <laughs> it's just so funny because Clive kind of pushes him on this a little bit and Sid his answer in general is like if things don't go well, then we embrace the moment and use it to grow and change. Yeah, opportunity <laughs> and that's for growth and change. Hilarious. Mm. If he wasn't a dominant, he would have died so long ago. <laughs> yep. Like you can't do reckless stuff like this unless you're a freaking dominant. They can yep. fly and get out of these situations. Yep. Um, yeah. So uh, life's too short for perfect plans. You want a plan that'll keep you on your toes and stop yep. you from growing old and complacent. There you <laughs> go. Work for you, has it, <laughs> Clive, my boy. Even life's smallest challenges offer the opportunity to grow and change. You must embrace these moments. Allow them to suffuse your heart with a deep sense of fulfillment. And I think he <laughs> says something like getting slaughtered or, or uh, chased by imperial soldiers is not my idea of fulfillment. They're like, you know, bantering back and forth and Jill's laughing at him or whatever. <laughs> so they make their way yeah, in. And the further in you get, the more and more sort of like ambient ether there is in this place. Yeah, they say that there was a flood, an ether flood yes, or something like that. Right. 
which is we had not heard of up until this point. Yeah. So it's like, okay, all of a sudden we get into the crystal and it's like things aren't going well. Like there are supposed to be these soldiers positioned around the crystal. Yeah. And it sounds like the soldiers don't like being put here because yes. these ether floods, they mess you up. They get into your head. Mm. They change you into a monster basically. And yeah. so the soldiers don't like it here. And the ones that were sent here are basically locked in. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay, you guys stay here and protect it. They're just a bunch of monsters in there now yep. that used to be people. Yes. You know, in some way. But this ether flood basically comes out and it changes the uh, uh, the nature. Yeah, the, of, the, of these the ether floods are almost like a natural disaster yeah, in relation yeah, yeah. to these mother crystals. You know, it's almost like like a volcano. It, it's, yeah, like a volcano. Yeah. you know, exploding. But like that version of this for the ether, it just or for the out. mother crystals is these ether floods, yeah. which causes people to go what they call akashic, where they're yeah basically just become like zombies or something like that just akashic? flooded yeah akashic a k a s h i c i think sounds like the Ac- or maybe the I- A-K, acacia tree oh which i think can get you high <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why i didn't think of this before yeah acacia. so yeah. all the workers and the guards who are made to stay inside of these mines will have been turned by these high levels of ether right and so as you go further and further in, you start to see fallen ruins, which were similar to like the Phoenix Gate. And it's like, okay, now that's crazy. Like, because, hmm. you know, Clive had, and none of the other soldiers would have been allowed to go into the, 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 the ruins at uh, Phoenix Gate. That's so right. None yeah, of them really yeah, knew right. it was like fallen in nature. Right. And now we're going yeah, into the second Yeah, not just fallen place. literally. Yeah. <laughs> but there's monsters. Yeah, right. And so now it's like, oh, here's another fallen ruin with like all the same architecture, like, yeah, and this is yeah, the yeah. crystals or what's going on with this, right? Yeah, like there's some, something more to this than that. So I looked it up. The acacia tree contains the psychoactive alkaloids. Oh, there you go. So, um, yeah, it sounds A C A C I A acacia. Yeah, okay. um, we use K's, but it sounds very similar. It sounds well. That's probably why I didn't notice it until you said it out loud, more yeah. or less. I guess I don't know. Maybe they. I guess they're voice acting it, but um, uh. Akashic sounds like uh, something affected their minds and changed their behavior. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, you see like a hole in the wall here. And remember, the architecture of the Fallen is like almost indestructible stuff, right? So yeah, they, that's they come right. across yeah. this like big hole in the wall. And they're like, oh my gosh, what's this? And <laughs> this is where he describes that he had been chased by Bahamut the last time he tried this, <laughs> right? <laughs> My little right. game of hide and seek with Bahamut ended here at tragic cost to this remarkable architecture. Don't blame me. He started it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're like, but how did you make it out alive? And he says, I walked. You should try it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just being kind of evasive about the whole thing and funny yeah. as it usually is. You go down and there's like a big dragon that's an, an Akashic, Akashic, Akashic dragon. That you know, remember, dragons are sort of like a holy symbol in the empire, right? Yes, in so. fact, this particular dragon is very interesting um, because he is guarding what they call the path of the goddess. Yes, right. And so this is goddess where I, greeter, th- I would now think. I didn't bring this yeah. up before, but the fact that the dragon is about the feet of the goddess Gregor, mm-hmm. and now we are seeing a dragon associated with guarding the pathway, which is mm-hmm. the feet, right? Feet and yep. a pathway or. I don't know. They're, they can be saying the same thing. Yep. Um, so you see the the dragons guarding. Now now we get some more insight into that statue. The dragon isn't just there. The dragon is guarding the goddess Grieger's feet. Yeah. The path that she walks. The, mm-hmm. the dragons are there. And we're seeing one of the manifestations right now. Yep. 
which and leads also, to the heart of the mother crystal. Exactly, it's guarding the most important place. Um, Sid almost falls down into like a cliff oh yeah, area. And, and my note for that was, wow, Sid almost grew and changed a lot <laughs> <laughs> by freaking dying. Okay. Well, that whole little action sequence, I had a similar criticism of a part in Final Fantasy VII Remake, which you haven't played yet. Oh yeah, but they they have this um this dungeon you're going through in that game where they have to cross this like filthy water. It, it's the part in FF7 after they get dropped down by um by um what's his name fetching the the guy who brings all the girls in what's his name in final fantasy 7 he like seven, every oh. night he brings like girls in um, and he chooses which one don 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 corneo of course so it's after don corneo drops them yeah. down into like the sewer yeah, area the sewer, yeah. which was like two screens in the original ff7 and they're out into the ghost train area right but in this version there's like a whole dungeon down there in the sewer okay, okay so they're like continually crossing this like filthy sewage river thing and there's like literally back to back two parts where it's like oh no i'm trying to cross but i'm falling and you catch my <laughs> hand at like the last second oh great you got me pull me back up and then they like walk around the corner to a bridge and, and, cross again, again. and they do it again <laughs> it's just like what the fetch you can only do that so many it's, times. and it's almost like this That's is funny. the go-to we need something exciting to happen but like we don't have anything. But in the end, we Let's need nothing Let's make a happen. bridge fall, and then yeah. nothing happens. <laughs> nothing happens. I hate bridge falling catch me scenes yes. as a means of injecting action somewhere. Yep. It's so lazy, in my opinion. <laughs> I freaking can't stand it. And so, oh, the, even the way they did this, I was rolling my eyes in the scene because, like... He jumps, and he's scared to jump, so you know he's going to jump across, and they're going to make it seem like, oh, he might not make it. And yeah. then he lands. He's like, whew, I'm okay. Now it's going to fall. Now now it's going to break under him. And then it happens yeah. right there. And it's, oh, no, catch me. Catch. Oh, I got you. You're fine. Pull you up. Whew, that was exciting. And pointless. <laughs> right? Like, why? Yeah. Just just move past it. Just get to the exciting part I don't already. know. you got to get people's hearts to jump, and you got to have that hand grab, the hand clasp. <laughs> Very important. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, uh, and and <laughs> yeah. I think what what Tuff is saying here is correct too. He's saying the way I interpreted that Sid almost falls cutscene is that his petrification curse has progressed to a point where it's affecting his movement. I agree. Oh, I think because he says sure, something, sure. I'm not as spry as yeah, I once was. Right, right, right. So I'm glad you brought this up because I were, my reply to that is do something better than a bridge fall catch because it's <laughs> so cliche. Well, it's there's so tons cliche. of ways to there, almost die. You're fighting die battles yeah, yeah. across this whole section. Have yeah, him he doesn't have to just slip. Like, try to do something, and his arm fails him. And it's like, oh, crap. Like, oh, it's petrifying. I can't do my magic. It'd be sick. As Anything arm. other Dude. than a bridge collapse, catch me, I'm falling scene. His arm right here could have gotten blown off. <laughs> oh, that would have been sweet. That actually would have been really good. Anything. Missed opportunity. Anything other than that. <laughs> oh, um, and then so you get closer after you fight um, the dragon. You get closer. Oh, no, wait, no, wait. This is before that. Okay, so before, right before we get to the Path of the Goddess, there's a gate you have to open. But you've got to, like, time it right to, like, yeah. like open the gate. And I thought it was kind of funny at first until I realized, well, it's still funny. It's yes. still funny to do this. But the older FF games did this as well. Yes. Like, push the button at the right time to open <laughs> the door. Like, Final Fantasy VII has yep. that famous one in, mm. the, in the bombing mission. Um, and, you know... It doesn't make it better necessarily, but it does make me feel feel better about it, knowing that at least it's a callback to a previous game sure. that also had a silly way of opening doors. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, you fight this dragon. I actually like this fight a lot. It was pretty cool. Um, 
Yes. Uh, and then you get through the gate to where the heart of the mother crystal is. And Sid tries to like slash at it with a sword. And he's like, I think I'm going to need a bigger sword. <laughs> and Clive's uh, yes. like, mine's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I was speaking figuratively here. I'm going to transform into the icon to do this, right? right? Yeah. So then he transforms into Ramu and destroys this little yep. heart of the crystal, right? And right immediately on the back of that, this like freaking gate to the abyss opens. And yeah, that was crazy. Typhon starts coming through now. Typhon, F six Typhon. Yes, right. Uh, <laughs> th this summon is a, a common reappearing summon yeah. or, or monster in the Final Fantasy series. First appearance, I think, was Final Fantasy now, six. I would say it's a common appearing name for a monster. Well, but the monster itself changes quite a well, bit. Well, the monster actually doesn't until you, now. You, oh, okay. so like in the other appearances, like in FF seven as a summon, it looks the same as the FF6 design, the yeah, purple thing yeah. with the two faces, yeah. right? And then even in gotcha. Final Fantasy 13 2, it's that design. Final Fantasy fourteen uh, has this same battle between uh, Ultros and Typhon in it uh, as, you know, I don't know, some kind of raid or something like that. Sure. I haven't really looked into it. Final Fantasy fifteen, it's like a little emblem thing. It's like a bait mm. that you use for fishing, but it's the same purple guy. But this is not it's a totally different design, yeah. but the same name, Typhon. Right. And it actually looks a little bit more to me like what I would expect a demon wall oh, enemy yeah. to look like from okay, the series. Because yeah. they have a lot of demon wall enemies in this series yeah. where it's just the dude's like torso up in the hands and it just like attacks you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really but it's, it's, it's a creepy looking dude, but I couldn't help but notice its similarities facially to Clive. Did you um, feel that way at all, or am I crazy? Oh, my like, notes say nothing about that. Because I, f I, f I looked at him, his black hair and his face, and I was like, that kind of looks like a no, messed up looking clock. I can see it in my mind. I can see it, and I actually think I did have a similar thought. Um, the trouble being, okay, so Clyde's shadow is himself, right? Yes. I think what I initially felt like we were dealing with here was... Yeah, I wrote, this is the shadow figure from before. So I did make that connection, uh, but in a different way. Yeah. However, it's also maybe kind of not his shadow. Yes. It's a separate person altogether. Right. Um, uh, but I made that connection in a, in a different way. He looks like the shadow version of Clive that's like really upset. Yeah. There's something about looking at that dude, that <clears throat> Typhon monster was like, it looks like Clive if Clive were to morph into some kind of monster or something hmm. like that. So I had that thought, um, but yeah. it's coming through. It's trying to grab Clive, and then uh, Ramu throws the spear like and pushes him back into his little yeah. dimensional gate. And yeah. But like at the last second, it, it's almost like he grabs Clive's mind or will or subconscious or something yeah, and like brings it with him into that realm right because clive's body stays behind yeah he doesn't get his body he just there's almost like a i feel like there's an effect almost like a ghostly sort of uh ethereal kind of effect that the, the yeah. hand sort of grabs and pulls in that's cool or something like that that's what it looked like it was it went really quickly but hmm. anyway he's in there in this like mist world place he sees it pinned and he's like the the typhon continues to try to pull it out and he's like failing yeah. to do so he's like stuck there and he's attacking and you're fighting but there's some really interesting uh dialogue here so uh mythos he says as he's reaching out to clive it's almost like it's a name 
Mythos. He's calling yes. Clive Mythos. Mythos. Yeah, that was interesting. When I first heard the name, I was like, oh, this thing's Mythos. Oh, wait, then they, then this thing was Typhon. Yes. Like, why? We're Mythos. Yes. Very so, interesting. So he's calling it Mythos, show us your strength. Um, and then when Clive wakes up in that It's like there's world, a separate being inside of Clive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He... He wakes up in that world and he says, I've, I've been here before. Yeah, Clive says, right. I've been here before. He, yeah. he recognizes the place. And then the monster says, Typhon has been repelled. This insolence shall not go unpunished. Dominant. So this is all in another language, by the way. So it's subtitled, yes. but it's some crazy language. Well, it's probably the language that we heard before when we were yeah. um, being summoned to become Ifrit at the very beginning yes. of the Phoenix Gate. There's that hooded figure that mm. gives us, um, there's like some... Uh, it's another language. I Some can't other really language, tell what it is. But he, he knows what he meant yeah, yeah. or what he said. He, he right? understands it. Like it was like a wakened child of, that was it, of fate. fate or something like child that. Child of right? fate. So you again, like where are you? What do you want? Uh, unleash the power within you. Embrace your fate. So you start fighting. No, I'm not going to listen to you. Um, and then eventually Typhon's able to free itself from the, the spear and comes down to fight, and, and Clive can... Oh, I, I have to mention, as Typhon was coming out, Clive was trying to get Ifrit to come out, but he can't right. really control when he, yeah, he when fully... You, know, you can semi-prime even during battles, because now that's a, a limit break thing where you press right. L3 and R3 to accept the trans, truth. It's like trans, <laughs> and, accept the truth. And, and yeah, when you build you up do it the limit time. break, boom, I, you, know, you can do that. So he can semi-prime kind of whenever he wants, yeah. but he can't fully prime. He, he does not have that mm. ability to fully prime on his own yet. So he keeps yeah. trying to get it to happen, trying to get it to happen, and he finally gets it to, to, to happen. And so you, you, there's another uh, icon battle here. This has been my favorite one by far. So this far. one was really this good. This one was yeah. good. Um, Movement. There's a lot of movement, dodging, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's really it's good. actually a really good fight. Yeah. And I like how because like, at first, if it can move quickly, yes, which is cool. The the beginning of the fight, I was like, oh, I hope this isn't the whole thing. This is really easy. And, and you, you basically <laughs> right. kill it, it once, and then like the real fight happens as yeah. Typhon, as an icon, almost semi primes into some higher right. level, that's goes true, yeah. Super Saiyan, and like so you yeah. fight like a another level of it, and that's when the fight gets tougher. And yeah. so it was a really, really good fight. I really liked it. Um, but he says something like, we, I, re I remember now. I am fire. I am Ifrit. And that's when he primes. That's right. So yeah. there's something that he remembers about this world, this mm. little misty world he's in with, with Typhon, and that I remember that I am fire. And, and after the battle's over, after you defeat Typhon, he says, a most suitable vessel. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, so we burn punch him, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> and we win the fight. And he he is, Typhon seems to be pleased. Yes. That we defeated him. Yep. Which is always a creepy thing that happens, right? Yep. Where it's like, okay, in some ways, this Typhon does not see Clive as his enemy. Mm -hmm. Typhon somehow sees Clive as doing his bidding one way or the other. Right. And and remember earlier, um, Typhon was trying to get Ifrit to come out. Right. Um, and is like, come on, you know, embrace, embrace the power. Yep. So then Clive returns to his body. Sid is lying there. He's dying. We'll find you a healer. He says here. No, you're not. <laughs> and I loved this. This is actually a really cool shot. At, right after that line here, like you're not going to find a healer here. The camera yeah. is kind of 
behind Clive, and it pans around as he turns around and looks behind his shoulder because, like, Sid and Jill looked yes. up like, what the fetch? <laughs> and then you turn around, and you just see this demented-looking guy just, like, standing there. <laughs> and it's this is Ultima, right? Yes. And it's just yeah. like, no, we shall be one. <laughs> and I yes. kind of like how Ultima is just this almost unfeeling, um, apathetic sort of uh, being. It just, like, doesn't really show any emotion. It's yeah. just kind of like, okay, we're doing this now, but there's something really unsettling about it, obviously. Totally, because um, something so important, something that we struggle to accomplish is just so simple and can so easily be brushed aside. That implies a really, really high level of control and yeah. like a ton of power yeah. hidden behind this particular character yeah. where it's like, eh, no big deal. Um, kind of reminds me of like in Mass Effect, the... What are they yeah. The, oh, the um, the Reapers. The Reapers. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, jeez. Oh, yeah, they just speak very <laughs> robotically, very machine-like. Like it's just a fact. Like just yeah. accept it. Accept it. It doesn't like, make any difference you if you try or not. Like you're gonna die. Yeah. yeah. Kind of that sort of thing. And so Sid Sid recognizes it. So this was interesting. Sid says, "I know who you are, and if you think I'm gonna let you have him, you know, think again." And he stabs him. Like That's over right. His yeah, shoulder, yeah. and 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 he falls over because he loses. He's like losing strength. Yeah. Clive takes the sword and like cuts through and like finishes Ultima, who falls to the ground and says, uh, "Why do you deny your fate, your yeah. purpose?" And then sort of like disintegrates and it seems seemingly dies, but obviously doesn't, because Sid then gives the blessing of Ramu to Clive. That's right. Like, and he says, "One left." Like he had one cigar left. He's like, "Aha! Like uh-huh. one left. That'll do me." And and Clive lights the cigar for him. That's right. And he's like smoking his last cigar, and he says, "Clive, for so long I thought I had all the answers, but then I met you, and I learned it wasn't a good death we should be fighting for, but a better life. Mm. It's all very well uh, a man reclaiming his fate, but if he can't choose how he meets it, what's the point? Right. So I made a choice, and his choice is I'm going to give you the blessing of Rama, which is going to be Ramu, which is going to be your new yes. iconic blessing ability. And in in, <clears throat> I mentioned this a bit in Near Automata. There's a dark way of looking at this, but in this one, I think it's you know not so horrible. Um, but the, a way of reclaiming your fate. There's a way in which um, choosing to die is the ultimate way of of take of claiming fate and yeah. of of becoming the master of your own fate. Yep. And it's like it is a, a very final <laughs> like in, decision like, uh, to make. In Bioshock with Andrew Ryan. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. A master. Yep. He had to. He had to take. He had to be in control. And anyway. Yes. Exactly. So um, that's what Sid is doing. He's like, it, it's it's so funny because you think he's just talking about Clive, where it's like it's all well a man reclaiming his fate, but if he if uh, he can't choose how he meets it, what's the point, right? Um, he he chooses to die yep. in this moment. And it's so interesting too because what 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 he just said about like it's not a better it's not a good death we're fighting for but a better life but at the same time he's choosing his own death right yes now, like right. in that very moment right. um, he's trying to make a greater point uh, but at the same time he is reclaiming his own fate and choosing how he meets it and he's choosing to meet it head on mm-hmm. um, and just but allowing his power to remain with Clive yeah uh, takes takes guts. So they're very sad uh, as he passes on. Yep. But Ultima comes back and some like blue energy is like coming around me and Ultima says denial. So this is how you would waste your will. Now that word your will, will yeah. was interesting. Yeah. An interesting choice of words. I think purposeful. I this think is so setting too. something up, I think. 
Yeah. This is how you would waste your will. Perhaps it is time you learned your place in this grand scheme. And so then this blue flame starts coming out. But then as they're about to consume Clive and Jill, Joshua shows up. Yep. And saves the day. Takes and, his hood and, off. And, yeah. Yep. I know you're here, Ultima. Oh, so you've learned our name. It speaks in the third person in this way. Mm. You know, well, or, or not, not in the third person, in the um, plural. plural. Plural, yeah. And there's a reason for this. He says that we're a suitable vessel. Then he says, now we will become one. Yes, we will the, become one. The implication yeah. is that he, he has become one with many things. Sure. And to the point he is just a plurality of things. Yes. Like all together. Um, and then saying that we will become one. Um, it gives you an insight into how exactly he is a plurality. Right? Yeah. He isn't just one thing. He's many things. Yeah. So you've learned our name. What else have you learned, Phoenix? My travels have revealed much about you and your ambitions. I know that it was you who tore me from my brother. So now mm. I, I feel like I'm hoping they're not undermining too much the except the shadow part of yourself. And yeah. actually, Clive didn't do that. That was, it was a whole actually different thing. Ultima. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, it was you who tore me from my brother, and I know that it is his power that you see. Well, but know this: if you want him, you have to go through me. So you can you can have it both ways. If it's like um, Ultima will act through the shadow, right? Sure. But you have to have it in your shadow to begin with okay. in order for Ultima to, to manipulate it. Okay, into doing so you're something. saying the shadow existed, Ultima just used yeah. the shadow. That so was Ultima there. exploited what was already there, which was yeah. the archetypes, the desire to kill your brother, the, uh, the whatever it is that's hiding behind, you know, the. The, the shadow of the psyche. Um, and it, it was there. So Clive has to own up to his shadow. You know but what? Ultima kind of like manipulated it and, and uh, exploited that, the, what was already there. I just had a thought. Mm? I, I kind of wish that they had been able to, in the intro sequence, I mean, genuinely, I love how much Clive and Joshua loved each other. Yeah, and yeah, how much they really wanted what was best for each other, and it was reciprocal. I yeah. love that. I'm not saying that they should change that. I'm mm -hmm. saying that if they had planted some oh, seeds of jealousy, yeah. that could have been fantasized in this idea of him taking back his birthright from that Joshua. Would have been good. That it would have really <sighs> worked for him to accept I killed him, and it was me who chose to do that. Okay, kind of a thing. Given that they went this direction. I would guess that maybe the director may have wanted to do something like that, but I could totally see a producer executive being like, we're Man, not going to have our main character fantasize about killing his little that brother. That would have been... It would have been good, so though. So good. It would have been good. If he had actually had thoughts like that. And be, oh, no, 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 no. No, I love my brother. No, of, and of course. course I would never do that. I would he, never do that. And he actually does. And he, and he suppresses it. Yes. Right? Yes. But when you suppress... Like, I, I brought this up earlier, I think. Um, when you suppress, there's there's the two. There's suppress and express, right? Yes. You, you kind of don't want to do either. You don't want to express the shadow. Yes. You also don't want to suppress it. You want yes. the Hegelian synthesis yes. of the two. You want to become aware of it and then use it in an appropriate manner. Yes. Right? But b when, when those feelings would express in a thought or in a word from his mouth, yes. um, then he would immediately suppress, right? But he would never synthesize. He would never um, integrate the two. Yes. Right? right? And so showing that expression versus suppression happening earlier on would have gone miles and miles into to um, me uh, 
But who knows? Maybe it is just Ultima and the Shadow has nothing to do with it. I know. But I hope that's not where it's going. I hope that's not where it's <laughs> I really going. hope and so. if it wasn't, then a scene like that would have been really good. Would yes. have been really good. But I could see producers being like, hey, cut that scene. We need people to identify with this character. He needs to be like perfect, you know? Yes, right. I mean, it's risky, at but that's, what, that's what makes it so much more impactful, I, I feel like. Like, because yeah. as, as uh, I was going to bring this up too, but as um, Hat brought up in the, in the chat here, he does say to Joshua in their conversation back at the, at the Phoenix Gate Castle, I'm jealous. But he expresses it in this way of not like, oh, I'm so jealous of you and I, I, I wish it was me instead of you kind of a way. But yeah. just in a, you know, I, I, I have, so, I, I just, I wish people believed in me the way that they believe in you kind of thing. And Joshua's yeah. response to that was, well, they don't believe in me. They just believe in the power. They just respect and fear the power of the Phoenix. Right. They actually like you. They're yeah. in there singing your praises. So they showed right? that on Joshua's end. They yes. showed that jealousy there. And I yes. guess you get an, a hint of the jealousy from Clive's end. I, I, what I'm saying but is not much. I wish they went further with it. Yeah, Rather yeah. than just them in this sort of passive way expressing that they're jealous of each other. Yeah. And but but the love is much stronger than right. that. I wish there were these stronger seeds where we could have some moments where where Clive maybe sees the way the mother treats yeah, Joshua. That would have been and, a good and time. been jealous of that love. Yeah. Um to the point where you see some of the darker oh, jealousy yeah. in it. And the possible fantasy of I it should have been mine. Yeah. Like but no 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 no. No, I'm not going there. Yeah. I, I love Joshua. And, and he really does. And he does. It truly, really does. Right. Right? And, and that, you know, sets... And, and the same for Joshua the other way around. I, I don't have any friends. Everybody yeah, likes yeah. him. I'm the Phoenix. Why, yeah. doesn't, why don't people like me? Right. You know, why don't they sing about me? Why don't... You know, some level, some seed of a darker, harsher level of jealousy that could lead me to believe, because I don't believe in the way that it actually was presented, that, that Clive would have ever had the thought that he wanted to kill Joshua. No, I don't think so. But if that was there, then I could believe in this moment where the shadow is expressing in the right, icon. Right, exactly, yes. That I do want to kill you because- he can't suppress I, it. I should have been you. Yeah. This Phoenix, Phoenix, you should have been me. Yeah. Like, I, I'll show you who, you know. That would have really made yeah. his acceptance like a whole nother level of powerful. That would have been, that would have led it to <laughs> the great level. Yes. Right. That would have been something this game could have done really, really well. Um, I, I'm also thinking too, there's another moment where, where Clive's father dies, right? And it's like Joshua was supposed to protect him. Now yes. we see Joshua's angle of that, which is like, I had to protect him. I didn't do it. I should have done it. But we didn't see Clive's end, which was like, yeah. That was the one person who actually cared about me, like to the point of like, um, well, everybody liked him, but the he, his parents, right? Like, yes. no, all, all I have is my stupid mom. Yes. Like, my dad was like the one guy who, like, actually I looked up to and wanted to be like and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Your job was to protect him, and you didn't do it. That yeah, could have been another. That could have yeah. been another moment where Joshua he could have just in that brief two seconds he could have just gotten angry. That's a whole you know? other thing. And just like. Joshua, dude, you're the freaking yes. Phoenix. Why can't you help people and like protect yes. one person? If I had been the Phoenix, I would have I saved would've my done father. It. Exactly. Right. Because he's a shield, so he gets yes. that. He's like, I'm I'm good at protecting things. Why can't you protect one thing? That would have been great. And also, yeah. that's another thing they haven't really touched on. Uh 
Clive is so broken up about Joshua for these 13 years. He yeah, he hasn't yeah. had any dialogue or for thought his about father. his father. It's true. His That's... father was also killed. Yeah. So he wants yeah. he wants revenge on the hooded man who did whatever he did to make me kill or to make to, became the second icon of fire and killed Joshua. But what about the empire who plotted and your mother who plotted to yes. murder your father? Right. Like that part of his revenge was never explored. That's true. Yeah. And so like anyway, I think that I just huh. feel like there was a lot more they they could have gone way further with a lot of stuff we're talking about whereas yeah. Now in these moments where he's having to accept, yes, I actually did have some desires deep in my subconscious, mm -hmm. my shadow. I had some thoughts of killing him and that actually yeah. expressed and I have to deal with that. Like that's a lot harder to And accept, not by right? just suppressing it. No. Right, more. Yes. Because we saw how that went. Um, that's really good. I almost wonder if maybe the producers were like, hey, look, dude, it's got to be a surprise. We don't want people to know that he's Ifrit. Yeah. The trouble is in their marketing. <laughs> they, they revealed it anyways. <laughs> they revealed it anyways. And yeah. so it's like, ah, they could have they could have done it. They could have done it. And I get it. Like some people may have been turned off yeah. by that in the game. Um, but it would have helped the theme come I more. Think, I think power, it also would help to explain why Joshua has not come to Clive yet now. Like he's yeah, sort of that's just right. behind in the shadows and just sort of got following him, yeah. but he hasn't actually come out and said, I'm alive. You don't have to go for revenge. I'm still here. Right. <laughs> like I'm not dead or I'm the Phoenix. Remember I could freaking re I reborn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and well, let's work together now. But if there again was some sort of like seed there of the yeah. jealousy of each other that was sort of making assumptions right. like we just talked right, about making assu assumptions oh he'd be mad at me oh he hates me oh. or or like he killed me because sure, he yes. was jealous of me that's right or there's some darkness in him or joshua whatever. doesn't know yes or or he killed me because i let my father die like once yes, again just bringing right. it back to that point yeah. that um joshua should be feeling horribly regretful about yeah and maybe even like you know, maybe assuming that Joshua or that Clive could have done it on purpose. So then you would make sense. Oh, I'm Ugh. assuming my brother wouldn't want to talk to me or that he hates me now. They're both assuming that about the other. And so that's why they, anyway, this became like yeah. not what this was intended. We're to writing be. fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I don't even know how much of that we're going to keep. The point is that uh, I don't know. I hope that they don't make it that Ultima was like, manipulating Clive somehow yes, and, and the Clive, Clive doesn't have really a shadow. kill him it yeah, was Ultima yeah. all along I just hope they're not going that route with it because that oh, would really undo something I think that was really great about yes. the whole acceptance scene but uh, okay so he shoots a bunch of fire at him they like, can't hurt each leave other my brother right. alone yeah. and but this is getting both. us nowhere yep we agree no more games Phoenix we've come to reclaim our vessel but this is the biggest line ever here yeah the Phoenix says, have you forgotten who, yeah, I, who am? I am already? What is he talking about? I now know. that, okay, this is just Joshua. He's the Phoenix, right? Like, okay, he's talking to someone who already knows he's the Phoenix. Yes. But there's a, there's another layer here about Joshua that we are completely missing. Yes. When Joshua says, have you forgotten? Forgotten. So they know each other. They have been acquainted. They haven't seen each other in a while. But have you forgotten who I am? Meaning, mm -hmm. not only have they met before, but also there is something that Joshua is at his core, who he truly is, that is beyond even the Phoenix. Yes. What is it? And I'm really curious oh, that's about a, that. That's an interesting take because I was thinking he was referring to the fact that he is Phoenix. That, that, the, flames of rebirth, that the flames of rebirth are a part of it. Because yes. I think what Ultima says is, 
these flames are, are, are these flames are nothing. You will know what it is to burn. And then uh, I think Joshua says something like, "Yours is a fleeting form, and I know I can't harm you." But right. to protect my brother, I don't have to harm you. Right. And then he creates this cir- circle of fire. And what Ultima says, these are not flames of destruction. And then in response to that, he says, have you forgotten already who I am? So they're so flames of life and, and rebirth and, and help. That's what help. I was. That's what I thought. That could be it. But except for when he said, um, this is not, read it again. Uh, uh, these are not flames of destruction. Have you forgotten already? But who even I before am? that, these oh. flames are nothing. Yeah, these flames are nothing. You will know Yours what it is, is to burn. Yours is a fleeting form. And then, and then, Joshua says back to him, "Yours is a fleeting form to Ultima." Ah, I see. Okay. I'm not fool enough to think I can harm you, but to protect my brother, I don't have to. So he's okay. using some kind of power not meant to burn or harm. You're probably Ultima. right then. Yeah. But that, but, but, it's, but it's, here's it's that the other thing. kind of fun. Like he said, so he, he was thing, healing though. people earlier, right? You're right. But okay, have you forgotten who I am? And then he sucks the demon inside into of himself. himself. Yes, that, I think that in conjunction with "Have you forgotten who I am?" leads me to believe it's There's more than, just, more the than just the phoenix. Like, have yeah. you forgotten who I am? I own you, or I can I can take your form. And you were going to take Clive and join him to you. Yeah. I'm going to take you and join you to me. Yeah, like that's right. not the Phoenix's power. I feel like there's something the, else about Joshua. I think you're that's right. even more special than just the Phoenix. I think you're right. I think, yeah. and, and that's the whole thing. And this is kind of a, a, again, maybe a bit of a, like, it's it's nitpicky, and I realize that. I'm not trying to be nitpicky for nitpicky's sake or to be negative, mm-hmm. but just because I enjoy breaking down and analyzing and talking through things. And I just find it enjoyable to do. Uh, but um, it, one thing that's a bit of a pet peeve of mine with fantasy stories and with magic is when you use magic that has not been explained or when you're not, you don't really explain the rules very right, well. That's true. And things kind of just happen. And I don't really have any understanding of how this is happening. Like Ooh, I'm sure there was an so ATL I, perhaps, <laughs> during the cutscene perhaps that, we missed. that I haven't read yet, or Maybe. they're waiting to reveal this. They want to use it as a, a new mystery, right? Yeah. Like who is Joshua? What is this power he's using? Yes. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's just something that I, I kind of check out a little bit when this tends to happen because yeah. it's like, well, I, I don't know the rules Just here. Just wait until they tell it, you it what happened. It seems yeah. like Ultima is the strongest being here. Yes. But then he but can then just there's be Josh is who like grabbed who he can just do this. Yeah. When did he get there's just so much well, not if, explained. What if Ultima is Joshua's shadow manifest and that Joshua's shadow, <laughs> this is fan fiction again. And then Joshua's shadow is has the the uh, Thanatos, the death drive, sure. and that that shadow is the one that got Clive <laughs> to kill him. I don't know. Oh geez, it could get really complicated. But um, it, it's so interesting that he sucks him into himself, and yeah. then he seems to function perfectly fine. Not perfectly fine. He's sick. He has a sickness, and I would guess that containing Ultima within his body uh, has something to do with his illness. Right. But whether and maybe it has something to do with his shadow too i don't know um, well i mean that's every, very interesting. all all dominants cough blood and things like that which we'll see with joshua later it's when they're true. using their power and it, it seems right. like he's almost jo- constantly Joshua's different though he's at this point i would think constantly exercising some level of magic something because you got to keep ultima trapped you gotta suppress them. you gotta so suppress. like that's like a base like he yeah, would be maybe on the fast track to petrification i would think <sighs> That'd be crazy. By doing this, and, and so it I like I like be, it 
in that sense. Well, he has a glove on almost all the time ah. later on. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking he's covering mm-hmm. up a stone hand or something. Okay, maybe. But um, well, actually, I'll have to go back and look at the scene because maybe he took the glove off now that I'm thinking about it. Not mm-hmm. important. Okay, the important no. thing is, what I like about this is that Joshua is being self-sacrificial because of his love for Clive here. So he would be, I would think, maybe I'm totally wrong, totally off base on this. I would think that he is basically putting himself on some kind of fast track to petrification Mm. to protect him from Ultima, to keep Ultima from becoming one with him until Clive can finish his journey, whatever he's doing of becoming the, the, becoming the fire, becoming one with Ifrit, controlling it. I see, yeah. Um, to whatever ends that's going to be able to help him to stop Ultima ultimately by the end of the story. Okay. Uh, He's like delaying it. Joshua is buying time for Clive to fully uh, reach his potential. To become the Avatar. So I love that aspect of it. I just wish I had any freaking clue what powers the Phoenix actually grant Joshua. What are the limits to his powers? What are the limits... To the magic, just generally speaking, right? Because um, there are yeah. some uses that they explain it and, it, and it makes total sense. Like in what we'll talk about next week, when Jill is thawing and freezing the the sea at the same time. Oh yeah. Because it's like a boiling sea; it's a hot and water. That- she's <laughs> she's freezing it and it's thawing, which causes a steam, which yeah. like conceals them as it they sail. Them. Yeah, Love cool. that. That is like a totally and it convincing. It was hard for her to do. It's like they, they can tell me that. It's like I believe that magic. Yeah. I feel like there's cool limits to the magic and creative yeah. ways in which they use, get around limits, right, to do cool things like that. I, I just wish I had a better understanding of what are the limits of Joshua's power because this makes him feel almost limitless. Hmm. Like if he can do this, like what else – I just, I wish there were some limits on it. I wish I understood them. This is yeah, a big thing too. with Brandon Sanderson, author of uh, uh-huh. Mistborn and, and a lot of other things. He's very, he's, it's very important to him that the, the rules of the magic are explained because it will feel like deus ex machina when you use this magic to solve a problem if you haven't explained what the magic can and cannot do. And that's what this feels a little bit like to me is Joshua just sucks ultimate into him because he can just do that. Because he can just do that. Right. He's got Miroku from Inuyasha. He's got that like hand that like, <laughs> or, oh, there was a Zeno, Zeno Saga, Zeno Saga thing. Like, yes. Right. Suck, suck the enemy in. Right. So anyways, <clears throat> end we'll of the scene, he pulls him in. The whole place is just, dis- the crystal disintegrates. Uh, all the yep. people are watching from a distance as it like freaking is destroyed and they're all yep. panicking. And then. Everyone's freaking out. And then meanwhile, the hideaway yeah, is being attacked. Hideaway. Everybody's getting killed. Gav yeah. loses his eye in a fight with that dude who, right. you know, ratted him out. Um, but he takes something but important he takes him out. first. The, takes he grabs the crystal. A, that's it, that's it. With the, the swords in it, right? That's right. And they escape, but like a bunch of people are killed. And then uh, Koopka turns into Titan and just freaking demolishes the whole freaking mountain they were living in. Yeah. <laughs> and it's And it leaves off there with, um, with Gav saying, uh, Sid, where the hell are you? And it right, fades to there. black. And then we come to a five-year time skip. Five-year time skip. Which also, there's like an owl. We'll talk about it next time. <laughs> there's an owl with like blue eyes or something. The the Stolasis. The Stolas. Yeah. The, the names of the owls that yeah, have <laughs> so, they, they, 
Stolas is a demon from the Ars Geisha. Oh, really? Usually depicted as an owl. So for once, Final Fantasy picked Actually the name of the thing and was correctly. like, here's the thing, <laughs> right? Instead of, uh, you know, anyways, kind of, well, the Phoenix, obviously, but... Yeah. Um, so yeah, they actually stole that from the Ars Geisha, which is, I think, super cool. I didn't know that. All anyway, right. I think we're going to leave off there we and done. we'll talk about our feelings on a five-year time skip and stuff next week. Okay. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Again, I, I want to emphasize that, uh, at any time criticism gets brought up, it's almost, well, it is never the goal of that is never to be like, oh man, like just crap on something and like this yeah, sucks yeah. or... Uh, I, I just like deconstructing and like figuring out <laughs> how things work and like, oh, what if this, what if that? It's all a part of as an aspiring writer trying to improve my own craft, not yeah. as a means to uh, talk badly about other creators sure. or something like that. Like that's not, the, what's the point of that, right? There's literally no point in that. Um, or to join any kind of like tribal side out there uh, is FF7 remake or Final Fantasy 16 the future <laughs> of Final Fantasy. I don't give a fetch about that. Like literally could not care less. Yeah. Uh, I, I just like to, I like to look deeply at the stories and kind of explore different avenues and just think about them. So hopefully it's not coming across that way because it's not the intention. So uh, next week we will go through the Drake's Breath. Drake's Breath. Sequence. Uh, the next crystal, next mother crystal. So, see you then. Peace out.